Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into chapters 23 through 29 of Sense and Sensibility. <gasps> ah, the girls go to London. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Let's say it's the, the climax of melodrama. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like last week I was like, this is the start of the book. And I feel like this is the turning point of the book. So every <laughs> week, I guess I'm just going to say this. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so hard to pick when every chapter set that we go through. I'm like, well, this week was better than last week. Now is this my favorite? So I'm doing the same no, thing. What about this iconic moment or this iconic moment? <laughs> right. <laughs> But it is the halfway point, so... Official halfway point. Maybe that point. means something. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually halfway points are always, like, they feel like they always end on some big thing. Like, And we did kind of end on a big thing this time. We definitely ended on a big thing. A big turning point for reals. <laughs> yeah, especially for Marianne. Yeah. <sighs> so what was your... Um, I guess we'll just say at the beginning, we are going to have a special guest for the end of this episode. Kristen Smith, you know, our favorite book reader, um, yes. is going to come and we're going to talk about the whole first half of the book. So we're going to like go a little bit quicker through um, the other stuff before we get to her. But I still want to know what your first impression was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I really enjoyed these chapters. I, I kind of like, I have, for some reason, I go into every chapter set being like, we've watched two adaptations and I'm still like, I wonder what's going to happen. And then I feel like <laughs> I got to a certain point when they were in London where she wrote her first letter to him. And I was like, oh, I know exactly where we are and it's going to be crazy. And I don't know. It was just... I find myself, and I don't know if it's because I'm like a lot older than her, but I, I don't know if it was, I'm just getting more frustrated with Marianne in the book rather than the adaptations about like her uh, like inability to see how Willoughby is totally like ghosting her and blowing her off and how she should be mad at him rather than trying to like figure out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I still have complete sympathy with her because I feel like even oh, yeah. in this day and age where it's happens much more frequently and it's yeah. like got a whole term ghosting, mm-hmm. that people still get you know fooled by it all the time. So I I feel oh, yeah. very sympathetic towards her. <laughs> yeah, I feel sympathetic. It's just like it's almost like frustrating because, and it might be also because we know exactly what's happening, but <laughs> right. I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of of the mindset that if like they're not putting in the effort, maybe it's not worth it, but she's got to figure it out for herself and she's only 16. So, or 17. <laughs> well, it's definitely, me. definitely true. I feel like it's probably a lot more extenuating circumstances during the time period, but. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, there's so yeah. much like, you know, there's so much more importance on marriage and yeah, status definitely. and all that. So, but I did think it was really sweet. Like the whole like post the big, like, I guess you call it the big surprise or whatever, the big reveal, the how Eleanor was basically like taking care of Marianne in a way. And it was very sweet. And I kind of forgot about how, like, I feel like they're super sisterly in this set. Oh, definitely. I do feel like this is also not just a turning point in, you know, Marianne and Willoughby's relationship, but also in her and Eleanor's relationship. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the first time you really get to see Eleanor like actually having 
feelings. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, open up. <laughs> yeah, you know, outwardly. <laughs> so <laughs> as little as she can. Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely excited to talk about all of it. <laughs> Me too. <sighs> London always brings all the drama. We had a lot of London drama in Sanditon yeah. and we had a lot of drama in here. Oh yes. Oh yes. I I don't know if there is a good London trip. <laughs> say, it doesn't <laughs> seem like there ever really is like a fully good one. I don't feel like, I mean, besides, I don't feel like after, I don't feel like people go to London that much besides in like North Inc. Well, North yeah. besides in this one, really, I guess Jane goes in Pride and Prejudice, but we don't see any of that. And it's not, you know, good. Yeah, or it's bad. kind of like nothing boring. productive. Love <laughs> life happens there for <laughs> And there's no persuasion. London in no. Persuasion or in the other yeah. two. So this is really the only book where they can really go to London. Right. So just everyone go to Bath instead. <laughs> that seems to be kind of like the better place to go. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> if you're not, if you're looking for drama, definitely go to London because <laughs> it seems to be full of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels like you can get lost more in London. Like, oh, yeah. Just these big parties and like, I, I don't really feel. I mean, I know like Lady Middleton and stuff are worried about what other people think mm-hmm. of them, but I kind of feel like we never even hear really of any of like the big name people. Where when we're in Bath, we're always like, "Oh, this family and this family and this yeah. family," but like in London, it's just kind of like a sea of nameless rich people or whatever. Yeah, I think there's just so many people. Yeah, I always think of it <laughs> as like New York, where like compared to like Jacksonville, where we are, like, I feel like we all know like the big players in this because it's like a small big town. But New York is like, there's so many of those like, one percenters that you're like, (laughs) can, there's so many that we don't even know. So it's like that. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. All right, well, should we go ahead and get to the recap? not doing any notes today okay so we started chapter 23 and uh we're still before we go to london we gotta still deal with lucy <laughs> <laughs> so eleanor is so the last chapter is when lucy laid out the whole shebang for eleanor and eleanor is thinking over everything she learned from her and she knows it's true And for a little while, she's pissed at Edward for making a fool of her. But after she thinks about it for a while, she decides that Edward wasn't just leading her on at Norlin. She was like, she thinks that her family as well as his could see that he had feelings for her. And it was not an illusion of her own vanity. Uh, I said, I would never come to that conclusion. (laughs) it were me <laughs> i'd be like oh i must have been making it up in my head the whole time it, right. <laughs> i'm kind of the same way where i need like a very obvious like over the top thing to be like i think they like me yeah it just proves eleanor is smarter than me because <laughs> she has confidence that you know i'm not complete more <laughs> okay so this realization does soften her heart toward him a little and uh, she does think, you know, he should have left Norlin once he realized he was falling for her. I said, or I don't know, stop lying to everyone he knows all the yeah. time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear that he does not want to be engaged to her because <laughs> he doesn't seem very jazzed about it. I mean, him leaving when he decides that maybe he likes her is kind of 
you know, pales in comparison to the, I've been lying to everyone I know for four years. Right. <laughs> for four years. <laughs> like it was going on long before Eleanor even got there. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, but she starts to feel bad for him. No, she better not. And she's justifying in her head him falling for Lucy four years ago. But she thinks that Lucy is so annoying now that there's no way he could be happy <laughs> with her. I wish I said okay. <laughs> I wish the listeners could see how many eye rolls you had at the beginning of <laughs> that part because it was very, very uh, justified <laughs> eye rolls because it has to do with Lucy and she's the worst. I just think it's funny. Like Eleanor, she's got a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so it says as these circ. Oh no! As these considerations occurred to her in painful succession, she wept more for him than for herself. Okay. And I said, I do not care what the narrator slash Eleanor says here. I do not believe that. Yeah, I <laughs> at this point was thinking like this seems like a very unreliable narrator because <laughs> no, and <laughs> everyone knows. Oh, I feel so bad for Edward. That's why I'm crying. Yeah. Okay, sure, sure, girl. Sure. <laughs> Tell yourself whatever you need to. I said, where is all this thinking and crying and rationalization happening? (laughs) She talks talks herself around so much that she is certain she can keep it a secret from her family. And she she talks herself around and she thinks showing emotion would basically be a burden. (laughs) I said, psycho. Sociopath. <laughs> it feels sociopathic. It like, does. So it would be a burden. Also, if she doesn't tell them, they can't try to comfort her, which would probably make her cry and thus be a burden. So I, this is, I'm like, I'm sorry I'm so judgmental, but I just can't with your rationalization. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, if she would verbalize this to her mom or Marianne, they would get mad at her because they would say like, oh, do you think we're burdens? And then that her logic is immediately like, like non, not valid anymore. Like she's totally yeah. talking herself in a circle. <laughs> I wrote, okay, I have, I have so many commentaries that I've written down in my notes. <laughs> I don't know if this stems from Regency slash English society or if it's just because she is a Capricorn or something, <laughs> but it's crazy talk. <laughs> I don't... I know she doesn't get it from her mother, and I doubt she got it from her father. She just loves to suppress, suppress, suppress. And I said, is it just because she hates it so much in Marianne? Oh. <laughs> is this, like, all in response to just feeling embarrassed for her sister? It could. I also I so. wonder if, like, because Marianne, not Marianne, Eleanor is so smart, and I wonder if she saw the writing on the wall with Willoughby a little bit. How she was, like using that to be like, see, that's why I don't show emotion because you're just going to get hurt. It's definitely uh, a way to protect herself. I mean, oh, for sure. Uh, she never comes right out and says it, but that's the only rationalization that makes sense right. without her being kind of a psychopath. You know? right. <laughs> like what happened to Eleanor? <laughs> she was a kid. Okay. But regardless, she wants to talk to Lucy again. <laughs> she needs to observe if she really even likes Edward anymore. And She's already figured out that Edward must have spoken about her pretty glowingly and that Lucy is jealous and thinks of her as a rival. (laughs) She knows the score. (laughs) Yeah. She figured it out pretty quick. Yeah. She wants to know the truth, but she also wants Lucy to know you didn't hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I said, how do we feel about this? I 100% understand it would probably feel the same way, but at the same time, it's kind of shady to, you know, be like Lucy, you know, like her wanting to talk to Lucy to be like, well, you didn't hurt me. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's just, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Totally justifiable shade considering that Lucy was the quote unquote aggressor. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I do think it's justified. It's just, you know, it's kind of, her being a little Lucy-like, you know? Oh, yeah. It just feels kind of manipulative. Like, Eleanor knows she could beat Lucy at the game of fake sincerity. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do this all the time. <laughs> you know, I've been suppressing my emotions since I was four. <laughs> uh, she finally figures out an opportunity while Lucy is trying to ingratiate herself to Lady Middleton <laughs> with a doll she's making for her daughter. Oh, right. I said, Lady Middleton also knows how to get what she wants because she's like, oh, my daughter is going to be so sad if she doesn't get that doll. But please don't strain your eyes or anything. Right. And Lucy's like, oh, I I, can do I know that. what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Just ask for more candles. <laughs> All right. So chapter 24, which has a title. Oh, Eleanor is better at Lucy's game than Lucy is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. And I said, I would like to see this chapter performed as a one act or a short movie, which is so funny that I wrote that because I was listening to it today and I thought the exact same thing. Like, I want to <laughs> film just this, this scene. <laughs> okay, so Eleanor brings up their previous conversation. And this is all going on under the surface because I said they're like two little icebergs. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy is like, I'm sure I offended you the other day. And Eleanor says... How could you have offended me? Did you have a motive that was not honorable to me? (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Uh, Lucy replies with her little sharp eyes, quote unquote. (laughs) But it was such a relief to confide in her. (laughs) And Eleanor is like, "Uh, yeah. It's like Eleanor there. (laughs) (laughs) She says, I can easily believe it was. You're going to have a lot of difficulties, so it's good you're so secure in your mutual affection. (laughs) She's like, I mean, his mother will never approve, and he only has 2,000 pounds to his name without her. (laughs) And Lucy, she says, with any other man, it would be alarming, but he's just so trustworthy. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say that. I think he's just too much of a, you know what, a scaredy cat. (laughs) (laughs) Eleanor says... That conviction must be everything to you. And he is undoubtedly supported by the same trust in yours. If the strength of your reciprocal attachment had failed, as between many people and under many circumstances, it naturally would during a four years engagement, your situation would have been pitiable indeed. (laughs) Then when Lucy looks up, Eleanor has a butter wouldn't melt expression. And I said, God, she's a bitch deep down. And I love that about her. Yeah, I was I was thinking this whole time, like, Eleanor, does Eleanor want Edward because he's such a pushover and because she could manipulate him? <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like he is very much like, like, a, I don't know, like a prize to win. I mean, I know she wants him definitely, know. obviously, like, for like the security of marriage, or whatever, whatever. But like, it, does she also see the value in like manipulating someone who Lucy could easily manipulate for four years? I think Eleanor... I don't know. I, I mean, who knows? But I feel like she saw underneath Edward's shyness and she saw the good in him. Yeah. And so they both really connected and that now she feels like she knows him better than most people right. and probably feels like a special connection with him because of that. That's true. 
but you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> I just really like this chapter, so I read a lot of it. Lucy says that their love has been put to the test and she has never had any reason to doubt it. And Eleanor doesn't know whether to laugh or sigh at her assertion. <laughs> Then Lucy goes on about how she's a jealous person by nature and she couldn't be deceived. Mm. And I said, uh, maybe that's why she somehow ran into Mrs. Jennings and convinced her that they were related and got herself invited to stay <laughs> because of her jealousy. Mm -hmm. And Eleanor is like, so what is your plan? Wait for his mother to die? That's pretty morbid. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lucy informs her that she actually would like Eleanor to convince her brother to let Edward be the rector at Norland Parish. <laughs> Eleanor says, his sister lives there too, and if he can't convince her, then I can't convince John. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you don't know the little strings that I have left with uh, the relationship of my brother. That's all that's holding on. <laughs> She's like, uh, yeah, his sister lives there, so right. <laughs> why do you think I would have more, more say. sway over this situation? <laughs> uh, this chapter just kills me because, like, maybe it's just a Southern thing, but I have seen people with their fake smiles on, have these kinds of conversations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to it today and Rosamund Pike was doing this chapter and she was just too nice and I could not hear the cuttingness underneath <laughs> the voice. And I was like, I don't think you're reading this right. <laughs> <laughs> we need less Jane, more, <laughs> more Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then Lucy says, woe is me. We should just end the whole engagement, don't you think? Yes. And Eleanor refuses to give her advice on the matter, although she really should say, yeah, I really think you should. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy insists Eleanor has the best judgment, and Eleanor blushes for Edward's future wife's insincerity. But she claims to be too indifferent to be able to have an opinion. <laughs> and Lucy says, no, it's because you are indifferent. If you weren't, your opinion wouldn't be worth having. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she got one. <laughs> but Eleanor luckily doesn't take her bait. <laughs> then Lucy says that she is going to town this winter to try and see Edward. After all of this, Eleanor never raises the subject again. However, Lucy does whenever she gets the chance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> too persistent. Yeah, Eleanor has definitely decided that Lucy is a two-faced liar, <laughs> and. Unfortunately, the Steels managed to flatter their way into extending their time there for two months. <laughs> hmm. Two months. More dolls for the kids, I guess. <laughs> I said, as much as I hate Lucy and think Eleanor is ridiculous sometimes, this may be my favorite chapter. It's such a good... <laughs> At least until the It's round. such a good, um, like, quizzing chapter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I said last week that the last chapter I really liked, and that's the one where Lucy lays it on her. But this one is actually kind of better because... Eleanor is playing the same game as Lucy in this one yeah. and is better at it than she is. So. <laughs> Lucy met her match. Yep. All right. Chapter 25. Everyone is convinced to go to London. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go. <laughs> so Mrs. Jennings has a house in London that she stays at in rotation to all of her visiting that she does. Apparently her husband was in trade in like a less elegant part of town than where she lives now. So they made a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but Mrs. Jennings is going there in January and wants Eleanor and Marianne to go with her. Eleanor immediately says, oh, we can't. We can't leave our mother. She's, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, please don't make me go. 
Sir John is like, well, you know Marianne is going to want to go, so just go with her. (laughs) (laughs) And Marianne is, of course, ready to say yes, but only if their mother would be okay. Mrs. Jennings still thinks they would have a better time together, like the girls. (laughs) Which I appreciate Mrs. Jennings, because she's like... They can do their own thing and bitch about me behind my back, you know. I, like, I love this woman. Love <laughs> she gets it. She's like, yeah, my teenage daughter's been pent up too long in my house. Yeah. You don't want to go by yourself. Then no. you'll only be able to talk to me. And that's not fun. <laughs> also, Marianne is a little reluctant because she's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to make my mother uncomfortable. And I was wondering if this could possibly be like around a year since their father's death. Oh, it could be. They want to leave her alone. I don't really say specifically, but I wasn't sure. When they, oh, of course, when they ask Mama, she's happy to let them go. (laughs) (laughs) She has plans to make over Margaret and the house while they're gone. (laughs) (laughs) And Eleanor can see how excited and happy everyone is and decides not to object anymore. Except to say that she doesn't really like Mrs. Jennings and it's not like she can get them any fancy introductions or anything. (laughs) (laughs) And Marianne is like, who cares? I'll gladly put up with that. And both Eleanor and I laugh. Eleanor at least needs to go to be there for Marianne. <laughs> Marianne. <sighs> she knows what she wants at the moment. Yep. <laughs> but she has no sense of, what did I want two days ago? <laughs> and right. why does this make me look silly for liking this now? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so everyone else in the Middleton house is going including the steels a few weeks after they are planning on going um they're not all staying together at first i thought the steels were staying with the middletons but i don't think they are Mm. eleanor thinks they'll probably be back home before edward gets there in february little does she know they spend so long in (laughs) (laughs) also there's a part where mama is like it would also be good for you to hang out with your brother more She's like, I know he and Fanny are annoying, but he is your father's son. And that always softens my heart towards him. And it kind of softens my heart towards him a little as well when she says it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I would have been just like Eleanor and been like, whatever. (laughs) He's a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Unforgivable. I'll do what I have to. (laughs) This trip is going to suck so bad. I might as well hang out with John the whole time. (laughs) Okay. Chapter 26. I did not give this one a name. Eleanor, Marianne, and Mrs. Jennings start this chapter on a three-day carriage trip to London. Marianne is excited. Eleanor says the light has re-entered her eyes. (laughs) And Eleanor is determined to watch Willoughby like a hawk to see if he is deserving. And she's also very determined not to be jealous of Marianne and Willoughby as well. (laughs) Like, okay, Eleanor. (laughs) How about you voice that? side of yourself to your sister (laughs) don't tell us why don't you just start having some emotions and stop judging yourself for it (laughs) so eleanor chats and laughs with mrs jennings on the way says mrs jennings on her side treated them both with all possible kindness when they finally arrive eleanor is ready to enjoy all the luxury of a good fire which made me consider that they just spent three days in a carriage in January Ugh. in England. Ugh. Yeah. Sounds... Must be freezing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> three days in a carriage, period. <laughs> I was like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But in, I mean, in, when it's freezing cold outside. I don't think it has good insulation. I mean, there's no heat in a carriage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they arrive in London, Marianne sits down to write a letter to Willoughby and sends it 
by the two cent post, which is kind of the extravagant post. You know, <laughs> there's the one cent and the two cent. <laughs> <laughs> All the rest of the night, she waits with anticipation, and every sound she feels could be him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, lo and behold, someone does arrive. And Marianne is ready to throw herself into his arms when she realizes the visitor is actually Brandon. <laughs> and she immediately runs from the room. <laughs> it's like, if only you knew, eventually you would be doing the first thing you thought. Uh, he's like, what's wrong with your sister? <laughs> and Eleanor stammers a bit about headaches and fatigues. And then he remembers that he shouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> She wants to talk to him about Willoughby, but she thinks he will feel jealous. I wrote, I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Eleanor. She's None such... of them care. I mean, of yeah. all the people to be fastidious with, Brandon, Mrs. Ginny, I mean, none of them care a whit about right. your propriety. <laughs> right. And it's also like, you're supposed to be sleuthing for your sister and creeping and trying to figure out What's going on with him? Ask the people around you, especially the ones who talk <laughs> about everyone. <laughs> they get all the gossip especially they're going to know. Telling us that you want to ask them. <laughs> exactly. Just ask. <sighs> but she doesn't. Okay. Mrs. Jennings comes in. He says he knew they were home because he dined with the Palmers. And eventually, Marianne is forced to come down for tea. <laughs> I said, I need to look up Regency schedules. This chapter kind of makes me want to know, when is dinner, tea, dancing? I think tea is like dinner and dinner is lunch. Uh, I think. Oh, like dinner's like probably like two or something. Yeah, like midday. Ugh. And then tea is at the end of the day. I'm not 100% sure, but. Sounds horrible. When Marianne shows up, oh my God, Colonel Brandon becomes more thoughtful and silent. And then he leaves before long. No will it be that night. No, no, no. Okay, so Mrs. Palmer comes the next day after visiting for a while and convinces them all to go to the shops with her. And when they return, Marianne runs to check the mail and asks if any note came for her. And it did not. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor thinks it's odd. She's like, if they're engaged, surely she would know if he was in London or not. Right. And he would have definitely come over by now. And she determines if he doesn't show up in the next few days, she'll write her mother and ask her to ask Marianne if they're engaged. And I said, are you kidding me, Eleanor? Just ask her. Who cares? <laughs> no one will be offended if you do. Certainly not Marianne. <laughs> if I could explain how much I wanted to throw my book out the window when I read that. Because <laughs> if an entire rant. <laughs> if they had just asked her if they were engaged or not, at the beginning of the story, we could cut out, I would say, probably 60% of the story. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. She's like, I'm going to write mama or mama and ask her to ask Mary Ann when I'm like, just ask her, even if she reacts badly, who cares? It's not like she's barely talking to you or right. anyone else right now. Who cares? Why don't you just ask her? Ask her! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But no one does ask her, so Marianne just paces the room for the rest of the evening. <laughs> it's like, she's like, I want to spare her feelings, but then I'm not going to spare her the anxiety of waiting for <laughs> an answer. Oh my god, um, Eleanor. I know. I said, okay. So chapter 27, <laughs> which I titled, uh, Maya is annoyed by all the characters. <laughs> <laughs> there was... 
I would say not really any characters, any salvageable characters besides Carl Brandon at this point. <laughs> In London, at least. <sighs> okay. So, Mrs. Jennings puts some hope in Marianne's head the next morning when she mentions that the fine weather might delay Sir John coming because the sport will be too good to pass up. And Marianne, of course, now thinks that that's what happened to Willoughby and is constantly convincing herself that the weather is getting colder and colder and pretty soon a blizzard is going to start. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor is rudely surprised that Mrs. Jennings actually has decent acquaintances and a respectable house. <laughs> Eleanor, <laughs> you are not doing yourself any favors in this chapter. I put rudely, but I mean, Jane Austen I mean, didn't say rudely, but I feel like it is rudely for it her is to be rudely. like, oh my gosh, she's actually got some nice people who she hangs out with in a nice house. <laughs> I feel like maybe maybe it's because Eleanor just kind of wrapped up her battles with Lucy Steele. And so maybe she's still in that kind of like combative mode. And she's like, well, I'm just going to be kind of a little bit mean in my head to everyone else. Well, when you're just judging yourself for your own emotions and judging everybody else all the time, like, whatever. Okay, so <laughs> she can't really bring herself to enjoy herself. It's kind of, oh, that's why I said this. I wrote my notes. It's kind of hard to have fun if you're constantly judging everyone around you. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you said it. Colonel Brandon comes. I know, I'm so judgmental. I am so judgmental of Eleanor. But just... <laughs> Well, Eleanor is providing us stuff to be judgmental of, like nonsensical <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, Colonel Brandon comes around a lot and Eleanor does enjoy talking to him. She's afraid, though, that he seems to be becoming more attached to Marianne, the less she acknowledges his presence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then one day when they get back from going out, they find, drumroll, no. Willoughby's card. <gasps> Thundercrash! <laughs> <laughs> if Eleanor was a nice sister, she would have taken it and thrown it in the fire. <laughs> uh, but no. But it puts Marianne in a right state. A letter comes in, and even though she's told that it's for Mrs. Jennings, she still has to check for herself that it's not for her. And Eleanor's like, are you expecting a letter? <laughs> and Eleanor, uh, Marianne says, a little, not much. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like a little. This finally gets Eleanor to exclaim, You have no confidence in me! And Marianne replies, Nay, Eleanor, this reproach from you? You who have confidence in no one? And Eleanor says, I have nothing to tell! And Marianne says, Nor I! We neither of us have anything to tell. You, because you do not communicate, and I, because I conceal nothing. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I mean... That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough when you argue with someone who knows every single thing about you. <laughs> it just sucks because she's like, I mean, Eleanor wants her to tell her, but she just hasn't ever asked her, you know? Yeah. She's like, why won't you admit some stuff to me? And it's like, well, why haven't you admitted anything to her? I mean, right. and also standard, Eleanor. Also, I, like... Marianne could just be like, admit what? And then Eleanor would be like, nothing, never mind. <laughs> because she doesn't <laughs> want to ask her. Yeah. Oh, God. Eleanor is, of course, disturbed. She's still justifying her promise of secrecy to her need to be reserved, which is frustrating. <laughs> and uh, I was like, she, you could just sit down with her and say, you know what? You're right. I have been keeping a secret. Here it is. Now tell me if you're engaged. <laughs> <laughs> but no, 
She has to keep the secret of a girl who she knows is a liar, who only made her promise in order to torture her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lady Milton and Sir John arrive, and they are invited the next evening. And they all go. And, of course, somehow Sir John has already collected, like, 20 young people to come hang out and have a secret ball with him. <laughs> Uh, but to have an unpremeditated dance in town was considered very inelegant, which just makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't planned a month ago, then it's not cool. So John is just like the Pied Piper of young people. <laughs> oh my God, there's 20 of us? Let's have a ball! <laughs> <laughs> of marriage-eligible teens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Lady... Mi- uh, oh, no, I already said that. <laughs> Mr. Palmer is funny. Uh, I said, he must really like the Dashwoods because he goes out of his way to talk to them, even though he has nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) He spends the rest of the time trying to make sure that there's always the length of a room between him and Mrs. Jennings. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure it's because he's essentially married to a copy of her. So (laughs) he's like, I can't take two. I'm sorry, you broke up on me. (laughs) It's like he's married to a clone of her. So he's like, I must, I can't handle two. I can only handle one. I might show that I actually like you. (laughs) (laughs) When they get home, Mrs. Mrs. Jennings informs Marianne that Brand, uh, wait. Oh, no, no, I wrote the wrong person. Uh, yeah, Mrs. Jennings informs Marianne that Willoughby was invited to that party earlier the day and he didn't show up. Right. And Marianne, of course, immediately writes to him again. And Eleanor thinks, I really am going to write to Mama and make her ask her this time. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor. <sighs> the next day, Colonel Brandon comes by. Marianne makes herself scarce before he comes in. And Eleanor can tell that there's something wrong and that it has to do with her sister. And he eventually kind of comes out with it and he asks if Marianne and Willoughby are engaged. I said, see, Eleanor, that's not so hard. (laughs) (laughs) He says it's generally known that they are. And she's like, I don't know how it can be generally known when I don't know it. And he says, well, everyone we know thinks so, and some people you don't know know it. (laughs) He even saw the letter that she was sending to Willoughby when he walked in. Hmm. So I guess intersexual writing is not allowed unless you're engaged or married. (laughs) I said, no wonder Austin wrote that women were the only good correspondences. I guess they're the only ones who are allowed to write to each other. Right. Uh, Eleanor tells Brandon that even though she doesn't know what's going on with them, she does know that they have mutual affection for each other. And Marianne writing to Willoughby was not surprising to her. (laughs) And Brandon stands to leave and says with emotion, To your sister, I wish all imaginable happiness to Willoughby that he may endeavor to deserve her. God, I wish I could do Alan Rickman's voice right now. I know. (laughs) It's like the epitome of drama. And Eleanor is left feeling very uneasy. Mm -hmm. Maybe if she would just speak up. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Chapter 28. Several days pass. There's still no sign of Willoughby. The girls are invited to go to a party with Lady Middleton. Mrs. Jennings can't go because Charlotte is indisposed, which I think maybe means she's giving birth or she might just be i'm not sure if she's actually giving birth but i think she might be and marianne is in a fog and it's just kind of going through the motions at this point so she gets convinced to go 
they go to the dance. It's crowded and hot. Lady Middleton goes to play cards. She's playing casino. So, you know, when we <laughs> saw that paper about cards meaning something, like, I don't know what that one means, but... Right. <laughs> the sisters find a couple of chairs to while away the hours in. But they aren't there long when Eleanor sees Willoughby right across the room from her. And he sees her and Marianne and bows and then turns back to the pretty girl he's currently talking to. Mm. And just then Marianne sees him and her whole countenance starts glowing with sudden delight, which I just think is, <laughs> it just makes me, oh, my heart break for her. Because she goes from being like in a fog despondent to literally her whole countenance glowing with delight when <sighs> she sees him. Just at the sight. Eleanor holds her back though and she's like, do not betray what you feel to everybody present. And Marianne squirms and stares at her with impatience. <laughs> and finally, Willoughby comes over and kind of ignores Marianne, speaking only to Eleanor. Sure. Marianne cr- calls out to him, Good God, Willoughby, what is the meaning of this? Have you not received my letters? Will you not shake hands with me? And he does shake her hand, but her touch seems painful to him. And she begs him to tell her what is the matter. And Eleanor observes his face changing, that he looks pained and embarrassed one minute, and then he looks at the girl he was talking to and forces composure onto his face. Mm. And he says, yes, I received the letters you were so good as to send to me, and then walks away. What a jerk. (laughs) I was like, where is, I don't know, Sir John and some other men to go beat him up? (laughs) (laughs) I know. He deserves it. See, I don't think she's that embarrassing because yeah. Eleanor kind of holds her back from really crazy. running across the room <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. just. But um, yeah. And she's kind of, even Eleanor's not that embarrassed because she's just concerned for Marianne and she's yeah. watching Willoughby and being like, what is happening with you? You are not the same Willoughby I know. Exactly. But after he leaves, Marianne turns white and sinks into her chair Eleanor is convinced that Marianne's going to faint and stick some lavender water under her nose. (laughs) Marianne begs Eleanor to go to him and get an explanation. And I said, you better believe if I was Eleanor, I would have dragged his sorry ass outside and gotten that explanation. Yeah. (laughs) But but Eleanor is just like, no, you have to wait until tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) What she should have done is went up to him and say, you tell me what's going on now or I will make a scene. Forget about Marianne's scene. I would have made a scene if I was Eleanor. I would have been like, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) You don't live in London. Who cares what these people think? Everyone in London would know Willoughby is a piece of shit. (laughs) Exactly. Willoughby, though, beats a hasty exit, and Eleanor asks Lady Middleton if they can leave, as Marianne is sick. And when they get back, Mrs. Jennings is still out, so Eleanor puts Marianne to bed, gives her some space. (sighs) Like, I don't even know. Is that what she needs? (laughs) Space? I doubt it. Eleanor thinks it over and guesses that they were engaged, but Willoughby got tired of her and moved on. And then she considers how much better off she is since Edward isn't evil like Willoughby. (laughs) (laughs) Not the time to think of yourself. This is what I'm talking about, Eleanor. This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) 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 (sighs) Okay. Chapter 29. 
<laughs> Willoughby's letters. <laughs> I didn't title it, but I did write, I love this chapter as the first thing. <laughs> it's a really good one. Okay, so Eleanor wakes up to find Marianne crouched by the window, writing furiously and crying profusely. And she starts to ask her something and Marianne says, no, ask nothing. You will soon know all. <laughs> <laughs> She's very solemn-like. I, I was going to say, I imagine her, like, frazzled, crazy hair, like, furiously scribbling on a, <laughs> with, like, yeah. huge dark circles underneath her, her eyes. Her black with soot and ink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you will soon know all. Eleanor leaves her alone as much as possible. Marianne comes down to breakfast, but doesn't eat or speak. <laughs> and Eleanor spends the whole time trying to keep Mrs. Jennings' attention entirely on her. Good girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Uh, near the end of breakfast, a letter comes from Marianne. She grabs it, turns white, and runs from the room. <laughs> Mrs. Jennings is like, oh, my girls had their moments, but I've never seen anyone as desperately in love as Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, girl, how clueless are you? <laughs> and then she asks, when are they getting married? <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor says, they're not engaged. You've talked yourself into this idea. And Mrs. Jennings says, for shame, how can you talk so? We all saw them spend every day, all day together for months. <laughs> and Eleanor tries to admonish her again for spreading the rumor, but Mrs. Jennings laughs in her face. And Eleanor leaves to see this letter Marianne received. <laughs> uh, okay, she goes up to Marianne and immediately kisses her hand several times and bursts into tears herself. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I know. And Marianne is touched, and after they cry together for a while, she gives Eleanor all four letters. The first one that she reads is the one from Willoughby. Hmm. So I wrote down some choice selections from the letter. <laughs> uh, okay. I shall never reflect on my former acquaintance with your family and Devonshire without the most grateful pleasure, and flatter myself it will not be broken by any mistake or misapprehension of my actions. My esteem for your whole family is very sincere, but if I have been so unfortunate as to give rise to a belief of more than I felt or meant to express, I shall reproach myself for not having been more guarded in my professions of that esteem. My affections have long been engaged elsewhere. And the last one I wrote down is, it is with great regret that I obey your commands in returning the letters with which I have been honored from you and the lock of hair which you so obligingly bestowed on me. I am, dear madam, your most obedient, humble servant, John Willoughby. <laughs> and then I loudly exclaimed, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. I said, that letter pissed me off, and it pissed off Eleanor, too. <laughs> <laughs> Drag him into the streets. <laughs> Uh, she says, with what indignation such a letter as this must be read by Miss Dashwood may be imagined. <laughs> <laughs> she can't believe him capable of being so impudently cruel. She indignantly rereads it again and again. <laughs> she doesn't trust herself to speak because all she had to say was, thank God you're rid of this mother effort. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so she's sad there. Oh, she, sat, she sits there sat there she sat there seething for a long time when she realized it was time for them to go out <laughs> and so she excuses herself and marianne to late to mrs jennings and goes back up and marianne is just beyond her limit <laughs> she hasn't eaten or slept and she's been crying for hours and or days at this point and eleanor tries to tell her to exert herself a little so she doesn't kill herself 
And Marianne exclaims that it's not possible that she wouldn't know since she has no grief. Eleanor wouldn't know. And I think Eleanor comes about this close, so close to telling her, but Marianne is also seems to really kind of be clinging to Eleanor and Edward's happiness as proof that they're still good in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like the one time you can't yeah. be honest. And then finally, Eleanor does say, well, thank God the engagement ended. Every day it continued would have made this worse. And Marianne admits that they weren't actually engaged. She says, he's not so bad. And Eleanor says, but he told you that he loved you. And Marianne's like, well, not in so many words, but he implied it at every moment. And then Eleanor decides to read the returned letters, mm. the ones that uh, Marianne wrote. Right. The first one is the one she wrote on their arrival. It's cute. Like, surprise, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I want, she's like, I want to expect you tonight, but I know it's maybe not possible. So I'm definitely going to expect you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the second one she wrote was after he left his card. And it says that she was very disappointed um, to miss him and wants to know why he never responded to her last letter. And also wants to know why he's changed so much that he would attend a, he wouldn't attend a party he was expressly invited to, especially since she was going to be there. And again, she says, I expect to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> and the final letter was from last night. And it says, what am I to imagine from your behavior last night? I demand an explanation of it. I have not yet been able to form any reasonable apology for your behavior. Uh, she thinks something must have happened to lower her in his opinion and wants to know what it is so she can answer the charge. She says, it would grieve me indeed to be obliged to think ill of you. But if I am to do it, if I am to believe that you are not what we hitherto believed you, that your regard for us all was insincere, that your behavior to me was intended only to deceive, let it be told as soon as possible. She then asks that if that if that is the sentiments or that if, his sentiments have changed then she wants him to return her notes and the lock of hair in his possession i love that letter yes i've written some pissed off letters to men in the past and i wish i could be <laughs> as elegant and pointed as marianne is through her <laughs> well it just felt good to see her like stand up for herself and not be like what did i do wrong like blah 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 like she totally was like you know what's changed in you and has someone been saying things to you about me like what's going on yeah yeah okay she tells eleanor that she felt like they were engaged though the strictest she felt (laughs) to be engaged though the strictest legal covenant had bound them together and eleanor is like too bad he didn't feel the same (laughs) (laughs) marianne is sure that he did feel the same though and again, I say bravo for not assuming you read the whole relationship wrong, which is what I'm sure I would have done. <laughs> she says she would rather believe that her entire acquaintance, minus her immediate family and Edward, had conspired against her than believe Willoughby capable of such cruelty. And Eleanor tries in vain to get her to try and put on a brave face. And she says, I must feel I'm, I don't know what exactly the quote is, <laughs> something about I must be wretched. To appear happy when I am miserable, who can require it? <laughs> <laughs> I I totally understand, though. Like, I can't make myself happy if I'm not happy. Even if I intellectually know that why I'm upset and all that stuff, I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> intellectually, my emotions are telling me that this is how I feel. So <laughs> Right, yeah. You feel how you feel. 
And you got to feel it. Yeah. Can't bottle it up. Marianne rereads the letter again and shudders over it. And she says, Willoughby, where was your heart when you wrote those words? Oh, barbarously insolent. Eleanor, can he be justified? And Eleanor says, no, Marianne, in no possible way. And then Marianne begs that they go home. And Eleanor is like, well, we really can't, unfortunately. (laughs) And then she forces her to lie down and drink lavender water. And... I said, I think this is the time to break out the hard liquor, not just the lavender water. <laughs> <laughs> I think at some point that there was like something about how she fetched some wine for her and she did that. Marianne or uh, Eleanor made some comment like she did take that down pretty well. <laughs> I was like, I bet she did. <laughs> yeah. oh, OK, well, that is all. That's like the longest. I swear that's the longest just... set of. 40 pages (laughs) (laughs) there's just so much packed into it i just i I don't know i at the beginning of the book i was like you know oh willoughby like you know i understand his circumstances and he's not the worst but i feel like he kind of is one of the worst because he totally gaslights her (laughs) yeah at this moment he seems like really the worst because he has no explanation for himself he's just like oh whatever (laughs) like yeah he's so the letter is horrible and i just love eleanor and marianne you know being sisters and eleanor being there for her in the right kind of way and you know there's a lot leading up to it that i was like eleanor what is wrong with you but like (laughs) in when a moment when it really counts she is she's there yeah she'll cry with her sister (laughs) (laughs) give her a glass of wine because i mean eleanor was hurt by willoughby too he loved their whole family supposedly they all loved him and they were all willing to give him the benefit of the doubt yeah i mean eleanor was suspicious yeah and marianne is worried about what her mom is gonna how she's gonna react because of how close everyone was to him so yeah just sucks it's a shitty situation yeah should we just say what our favorite parts are before we get to Kristen? Sure. <laughs> do you have one or do you want me to go first? Oh, God. I know I have like at least two of these chapters that I wrote all this <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the chapter, both chapter 23 and 29, I believe, are my two favorites. Yeah. The first and last chapter. I also The one in which Eleanor talks to Lucy and beats her at her own game. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that chapter? That's 23, I think, right? Oh, no, 24. 24. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I really like the last chapter, too. Yeah, the last chapter is kind of my favorite just because of, you know, we find out all, like, the information about what's really going on, and we get to see Eleanor and Marianne really, like, come together, and Eleanor actually, (laughs) you know, step up a little more. Yeah, yeah. (sighs) It's just a really good, I feel like, this is one of those sections that would have been better if it had maybe been two smaller sections that we were doing over. Because <laughs> now looking at the time, I'm like, wow, we were trying to cut it down by just doing the recap. And we still managed to make it just as long as normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's important. We had a lot to say. Yeah. But I think we could save the rest of our talk until Kristen gets here. Because I definitely want to talk to her about Eleanor and let her defend her probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah i want i do wonder if she's gonna be like you guys are wrong eleanor is actually maybe the best. maybe she hasn't been with us for all of our recaps but <laughs> right <laughs> so i guess we'll see
we're back and we have a new guest with us Kristen Smith yay <laughs> welcome Kristen <laughs> hi we've been missing your rationality during our recaps <laughs> <laughs> especially when it comes to Eleanor we're having some difficulty with her this yeah. reader uh, really yes I don't know if it's why but this time reading through the book I just have a lot to say about Eleanor <laughs> and the way she reacts to things like what like she is very judgmental <laughs> she, <laughs> and she's always like oh you have to you know be nice to people or you know pretend to be nice to people but then she's like not actually nice to them she, she's nice to them like, like she talks to them but then she's not actually nice at what she says to them <laughs> yeah but they don't notice do they <laughs> no <laughs> she's a master at it <laughs> it's very hard to tell whether it's her or the uh or jane austen you know the author a lot of the times because jane austen does like to you know i mean every time we meet someone i was noticing like the first thing we learn is whether they're pretty or not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> their status <laughs> of their looks. And I've just been finding her, well, Eleanor, very frustrating with her, I don't know, her inability to express what she's feeling. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I have thoughts about that, but we can get well, to that whenever you want to. I want to hear all about <laughs> it. I want to hear what you have to say, because I've been hearing what I have to say for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is your favorite book. What's your, when was the first time you read it? First time I read it. That's a good question. It was my favorite for a long time. It was probably my, one of my first, if not my first favorite Austin book, because I really got the whole two sisters thing. Yeah. And so I, I understood that. And I, I do, I do identify with Eleanor <laughs> a lot of <laughs> personality wise. Do you so, think Aaron is a Marianne? No, I don't think Aaron is. <laughs> it's closer to Marianne than I am, or used to be anyway. <laughs> and of course, she's the younger sister, so that automatically puts her in the Marianne right. place, right. whether she actually fits that or not. <laughs> Do you feel like Chelsea is the Marianne? <laughs> no, if anything, I think I'm the Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm both the Marianne and the Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, this one was my favorite for a long time. And then Persuasion kind of moved into right. top spot. But right, right, yeah, right. I, I love this one. I wrote about this one for one of my papers in my Austin class for grad school. Oh, yeah. And just, what? yeah, sort of looking at the two sisters and kind of how they've developed their personalities based on not just their sort of nature, but also in the expectations that they have for the roles that they play in the family. So yeah. Interesting. So fun. Yeah. Because I've been asking a lot, like, where does Eleanor get it from? Because obviously Marianne is more like her mother, but we don't ever get the impression that her father was a particularly, like, uh, sense-oriented. Like, mm -hmm. he doesn't really have that much money when they he dies. And, you know, he does I mean, we don't really learn that much about him, but right. he really loves their mother. And <laughs> I don't know, he just feels like he might also be like a romantic type. So. Yeah. Well, he clearly married for love, at least with his second marriage, not yes. for money. So he, and, but it says about even about Eleanor, about all of them, that they have a good heart and they're very affectionate and loving people. They're good people. Yes. Very kind, if snarky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, so, but I don't think, I mean, it says about their father, you're right, we don't learn much. It says that, you know, he, he anticipated being able to improve the estate and then he died a year later. So he didn't really have time to do much. He managed to do a little bit. So, I mean, I think you can kind of read it either way, whether he's a sensible person or not. I kind of always just assumed eh, probably he was, he was trying to make things better, you know, and he was yeah. probably going to succeed if fate hadn't gone against him. So yeah. Yeah. And whether or not he is sensible, um, my reading of Eleanor, at least part of my reading of Eleanor is that in dealing with her mother, she feels like she has to be the adult in the family. And so I think that that contributes to her feeling like she has to make all the hard decisions. She has to tell everybody, no, we can't afford that. You know, say all the things that Marianne and her mom don't want her to say. Cause I mean, they're sweet, but Marianne's pretty nasty to her sometimes. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. She says things to, to Eleanor. They're like, oh, you have no heart. You know, you really can't love him very much. I mean, she says those to her face. So, But to be fair, Eleanor never shows any sign of having yeah, any emotions towards absolutely. him. <laughs> you, you are absolutely right. And I think that's part of, I think Austin does that on purpose. I think she's, she knows that that's a bad choice on Eleanor's part. Okay. And that Eleanor should be open, more open to her family than she is because she does suffer unnecessarily and she doesn't she's not able to draw on her family who do love her you know so I I think both of them are flawed characters I I agree that the narrator clearly thinks that Eleanor is basically more right than Marianne is Um, (laughs) but also I don't think Eleanor is perfect and not supposed we're not supposed to read her as supposedly perfect judgmental yeah, sure, probably. I mean, when you're one of the smartest people in the room, then it's, sometimes it's hard not to be right. judgmental. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I love Eleanor. I actually like it best when she's being judgmental, but <laughs> I just think she's kind of hypocritical in like the way she's always telling Marianne, like, you're not trying to be polite to people. And then when her version of polite is like, well, that's not exactly polite, but <laughs> <laughs> and she does read her sister as well as like you know, she's she's got some things to say about Marianne. Yeah, yeah. My favorite is when Edward gets into the mix and tries to also be a part of the like fun. Let's trade family barbs with each other. <laughs> just, it's so funny at it. <laughs> Ill prepared for it. <laughs> yeah. So you, do you think that, okay, yeah, because that was one of the, my main questions is like, is Jane Austen, is it, is it like a type of satire? Like is, because it feels like she definitely prefers the Eleanor way, but then she's also not writing her as perfect. So, but she never comes out and is like, Eleanor could have some issues here, you know? So I don't know how much of it is like written through Eleanor's perspective. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a legitimate question. I I listened to your first episode today. And like you, like you pointed out, this is the first novel that got published. And so this is a young voice. And she hasn't worked out all the kinks. I think that's part of the reason why the villains are so much fun in this one, because she hasn't made them into real people for the most part. Yeah. It's just right. fun to hate. You know, you don't have to feel like, oh, well, yeah, he's got some mitigating circumstances. So there's some things that I think are less polished than in some of the later books, but fun. So much more fun in some ways. I think it's like the funniest book, personally. And I was noticing when I listened to it, it's 
I laugh out loud a lot more than when I am reading it like closely, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think that it does come across as like a younger person because of the judgmentalism. Like, I just feel like that's like something you kind of, as you grow up more, you become less judgmental because you've yeah. experienced everything thing so (laughs) yeah you don't have room to judge anymore yeah yeah and we've we've recently met lucy (laughs) (laughs) favorite favorite character maya's arch nemesis (laughs) oh she's fun she's so awful (laughs) it's such a melodrama this book it feels like you know how northanger abbey is like a parody of gothic novels this one feels like a parody of melodrama but i don't know if melodrama was a thing at the time so <laughs> yeah um my the introduction to my book hold on it says that let me see if i can find it that she is uh, doing a parody in some sense of francis bernie's evelina camilla so some of the really popular novels of the time that um have to do with young women entering society and how you're supposed to act as a young woman and how you're supposed to guard yourself, you know, from predatory men (laughs) and marry somebody rich. And so she's kind of parodying some of those things. That's one of the things she's doing. I don't want to say that's all she's doing, but (laughs) she is kind of going after those sort of women, what are they called? Women's conduct text, Uh text about how, what girls are supposed to learn in order to be a a quote unquote good woman at the time. Or Camila about a vampire? I feel like I've read that book. <laughs> no, that's Carmilla. Oh, Carmilla. Okay. And they are. Sheridan Le Fanu, right? Is author? Yes. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. Carmilla. Carmilla. <laughs> Camilla. Yeah. It's Camilla is, hold on, Francis Bernie as well. Camilla. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, well, what are, what are your. You've just recently, I assume, read the first half again. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is What are your major takeaways this time reading through? I think uh, the the main thing for me, or one of the main things, is how very young they all are. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that I'm now older than everybody except Mrs. Jennings, I think. <laughs> everybody except Mrs. Jennings and Mrs. Ferrers. Just... I, I I imagine the Dashwoods at home and I'm like a bunch of kids. I mean, no wonder their mom doesn't know what she's doing as a mother. She's just like, I don't know. Um, but a lot of I what they I think that she's younger than me right now is like, yeah, kind of makes me <laughs> feel crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thought. No wonder I love Mrs. Jennings so much. <laughs> yeah. But like even, even John and Fanny, I always think of them as being, you know, very established adults. And yet she's what, 26, 25. And, and I think about the 25, 26 year olds I know. And I'm like, okay, I can see <laughs> how you could be that self-centered. <laughs> still yeah. at 25. Yeah. You know, so yeah. just, yeah, just imagining all these people are sort of learning to live with the consequences of the choices that they've made when they were a little bit younger, whether they were 17 or whether they were in their early 20s um, and having to kind of figure out what that looks like for the rest of their lives, I think is interesting. So yeah, it's sort of the youth of everybody and the villains, like I said, the the bad guys are, I think, <laughs> I was trying to think, are they really more fun or is it just 
that thing that happens with Austin where whatever book I'm reading at the time is the best book. Um, <laughs> but What's they're just so much fun to hate. <laughs> There's so much fun to hate. And she is so, Austin is so good at presenting them through their own words. So like not through exposition, you know, but through the things that they say and how they yeah. reveal their character, even though they don't know they're revealing their character. Yeah. you know, through what they say. Right. I love that. <laughs> so that's been fun. And then um, I guess the other, the other sort of main thing is my introduction talked about how, or pointed out, I should say, how Eleanor and Marianne really don't have a lot of experience of the world. And so everything they think they know about the world, almost everything they think they know about the world, they got from their reading or from their education. And so not through actual experience with people. And so like when Marianne meets Willoughby, she thinks it's, it's like Catherine Marlin, right? She thinks she's in a certain kind of book because that's what she's sort of been trained to, to think. And Willoughby doesn't turn out to be the kind of character and the kind of story that she thought she was in. And Eleanor apparently reads more, fewer novels and, and more, I don't know, prose or something. And so <laughs> she's kind of basing her understanding on sort of conduct books and, and philosophy and sort of more, well, less romantic things. And so her understanding of life is life is supposed to be like this. You act like this and you reap the benefits of having acted in a certain way. And Marianne has a completely different take because she's leaned toward different uh, books yeah. and things like that poetry. So. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of a lot of like comparisons like, you know, well, like Eleanor and Marianne are obvious, like they're opposites, but they're in the same family. But like Sir John and Lady Middleton, mm -hmm. Mrs. Jennings and Charlotte and like even the narrator makes a whole point about like how crazy is it that these people all are together in such a weird way? You know, like how's Colonel Brandon their friend? But it somehow all works together. And yeah, yeah, I feel like we're really looking at how people from I mean, people are just different. You know, like it doesn't matter. You could have all the same circumstances. You're just different. You know? Yeah, yeah, I like that. And uh, I have noticed a lot, like Eleanor. You know, with all her. Uh, propriety and everything she is with the least proper people on the planet like sir john and lady middleton or not lady middleton uh mrs jennings are just like mm -hmm. we don't care what anyone thinks or says we can forgive anything we just want you to be around and listen to us talk you know <laughs> it's just funny that eleanor gets so like but propriety and it's like nobody cares <laughs> but you know i think eleanor does a lot of it to protect herself because she yeah. just doesn't, she doesn't want to feel feelings. <laughs> so talking about them, she thinks is going to make them harder. But really, we know from experience in the modern age that talking about your feelings actually makes them easier. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 Only to a certain point. If you just keep going on and on and on and, about them, I don't know that after a while, I don't think you get any further. So. But maybe that's just me. Like I said, I lean toward Eleanor. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can definitely understand. I, I do feel like I've definitely gone through Eleanor phases and Marianne phases. <laughs> 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 yeah. But it's funny that Jane Austen is writing this book about how whether you can or cannot control your emotions. And personally, I found it very difficult to ever be able to like completely control <laughs> them, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. They're going to go. Yeah. I found myself, even though I'm like so frustrated with her, especially in these last chapters, I found myself relating a lot to, I think I'm an Eleanor. And maybe that's mm. why I'm like so <laughs> frustrated with her as I keep having to remind myself that she's only 19. And mm-hmm. like you said, she's having to take care of her family and she's worried about, she has that line about how expressing herself could be as like a burden on her family. So she has to choose to, you know, hold herself up. And I think that's why maybe I'm having so much trouble with her. But we also, I feel like she's so different than a lot of the other heroines we get in the Austin books because she doesn't seem like really at all excited to be going out into the world. She doesn't seem excited to be meeting people. Like, you know, when they get invited to London, she really doesn't want to go. She wants to stay at home and she doesn't seem to really want to do things, which is so, I feel like it's so unique, especially after Mm. reading Northanger Abbey. Yeah. 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 Especially considering she grew up with like you know, advantages and hasn't actually gotten to do that kind of stuff. But it's like something that right. would have been expected of her, you know, in her situation. Mm-hmm. Like go out in the world and meet people. And well, she's clearly an introvert, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> clearly an introvert. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Marianne's an, an introvert too, but huh? I feel like, I mean, she's not like an introvert in that she's shy like Edward. She can talk to people no problem, but mm-hmm. she just, it's like she feels that emotions are a burden for other people. <laughs> and I I do understand that feeling, but like, I don't know. I feel like I'm harping on Eleanor way too much. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like the fact that she kind of has to care for her family is really something that I didn't really think about. And that's probably why I haven't been giving her a break. Which at least she's not like an Anne Elliot, you know. Her family does listen to her and they, yeah. they're happy to take her you know knowledge <laughs> they might have <laughs> dreams but they're like okay yeah Eleanor's right they're never fighting her on no. how to you know best serve them I do wonder if there's some sort of side of Eleanor that is looking more towards like preservation of her family as they are now and I don't know mm-hmm. if it has something to do with her the loss of her dad but just the fact that she doesn't want to go out. She she would rather, it seems like, stay at home, even if Edward, Edward is kind of become part of the family in a way. And so it's mm-hmm. like, she's fine with that like little unit. And she's always kind of worried about Marianne getting too carried away and going to London to see Willoughby. She's always very distrustful of Willoughby and like in the back of her mind, it seems like. So it seems like she's maybe sort of stuck on this idea of trying to preserve what her family is right now. That's kind of what I kind of get maybe why she's so like resisting yeah, I do kind of like evolution. Grief is kind of like a something we don't talk about in this book, but it's like got to be a motivating factor for mm-hmm. at least all the women or the, the Dashwood women. We were just talking about how they were going to London and Marianne was like, well, I don't want to leave M- Mama if, you know, she needs us and I was like I wonder if this is like the year anniversary around this time because I know they spent like the first six months at Norlin and it seems like maybe six months could have passed since they got to Barton so but it does kind of feel like that is kind of hanging around (laughs) like maybe that is partially why Marianne gets so invested and so overwhelmed with disappointment and maybe why Eleanor's like I can't express my emotions sorry 
<laughs> there's too much going on <laughs> under the surface right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Because there have been a couple times in this book where we're like, is Jane Austen an early uh, psychiatrist or psychoanalyst? Because <laughs> she does seem to be talking about people's motivations from a like, well, this is why people act like this, you know, kind of perspective that, I mean, I guess it makes sense that people knew this even back then, but like, we didn't have a formal way of talking about it Yeah, at that time. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, that's why, why she's one of the greatest novelists, right? Is because right here at the beginning of the, the novel form, because it's only been around, what, 30, maybe 50 years at this point, she's already painting characters who are so recognizable she's really going into, you know, interiority and and psychology. And that's what the novel is really good at is looking at the individual and and their mind and their motivations and actions. I mean, that's what it does. So yeah, yeah, that's why she's one of the greats. She's just (laughs) got amazing insight, whether or not she uses Freudian language. So yeah, I mean, I think for all of its over-the-top, caricature melodrama-ness, all the characters feel so realistic. Like, oh, yeah, these are all real. I mean, maybe not exactly real people, but, like, all of their motivations seem like, yep, that's why someone would do that. Yes. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. I could definitely see a Fanny and John existing. And <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's turn away from Eleanor a little because I feel like they'd just be like, Maya, shut up about Eleanor. But what about, I mean, I guess she is related to her, but what about Lucy? Because she's another one that I feel like a character I'm obsessed with. Oh. I really, that first chapter where she tells Eleanor the whole situation and Eleanor totally reads exactly what's happening and in like the next chapter plays her own game better than she does but like uh, lucy do you think that she do you think that she like planned i'm gonna get myself invited to the jennings yeah (laughs) i think i'm gonna pretend to be related to them (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think she she's absolutely she is looking out for her own interests she's (laughs) figured out that edward likes eleanor and she's like i'm gonna go meet this woman and warn her off because this is my guy and she better stay away. Because yeah. <laughs> I need this. I need this marriage. <laughs> oh, and Edward, like, how do you feel about Edward? Uh, Eleanor deserves better. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, I want to like him because I kind of feel sorry for him because he was dumb, apparently, when he was younger. But I mean, I, reading it this time, there's the point right before they leave Norland where Miss, Mrs. Dashwood is saying, oh yeah, we're going to go and uh, we're going over to Barton, which is real close to Exeter. And then it, it goes to Edward and he's like, Exeter, really? And I looked it up and uh, Exeter is like uh, 10 miles away from Plymouth, which is where Lucy's from. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could just see it. Once you know what's happening, you're like, oh, right. He's worried they're going to run into each other. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he just his deception, not fan of... I mean, I'm sure he's basically an okay guy, but he doesn't step up and own his mistakes in the past. Yeah. I mean, he's got kind of the same problem as Eleanor, although he's concealing like much more harmful secrets Mm -hmm. than just his own feelings. But like, it's kind of like, oh, I can't talk about it. It's just too overwhelming to have to express things. 
But because we were talking earlier about whether we thought why El- why Eleanor even likes Edward. And I was like, is it just because she feels like she uncovered, you know, his secret underground personality? And she's like, oh, well, now I feel like I kind of am invested because I did the work of getting to know him. <laughs> does she just feel like he's kind of like her in some way or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she clearly talked to him. He's not dumb, she says. He's got a good mind. Uh, He clearly likes her enough to respect her as a thinker and to respect her ideas and and respect her work. And so maybe it's just one of those where, what is it like Henry Tilney, where he (laughs) fell in love because Catherine was in love with him. So (laughs) maybe she likes him because he likes her, you know? True. And I was just thinking, I mean, they spent like six months together. And that was when she was probably still grieving the most over her father's death. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just, you know, right place, right time. Yeah. And because they all clearly spent a lot of time together where nobody noticed them at all. Because I think at one point, they're like, <laughs> yeah, a couple weeks later, she has to point him out to mama to be like, hey, <laughs> this guy's here. and He's not as bad as his sister. She's like, oh, I didn't even notice him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Christian, what do you think about Lucy and Edward? Um, With Lucy, I kind of like her a lot in the sense that she's probably one of my favorite villains just because she seems so direct, which I don't think we get a lot in Mm. these types of novels where she just is straight to the point. Right when they meet, she's like, I'm going to let you know this is a situation and I'm going to kind of like push her back a little bit. And so I really do enjoy reading, um, especially that chapter where she divulges all that information to Eleanor. That's probably one of my favorite chapters. Mm-hmm. But with Edward, I I think I asked Maya this maybe the last set. I just, I don't understand Eleanor's kind of infatuation with him. She, like, he doesn't necessarily seem like a prize to me. He has, especially when you get the reveal of him and Lucy, I just, I don't know if it's more so like what Maya said, where she's done the work and he does like her. She knows that. So it's like, oh, this is easier for me. I don't have to open up and I don't have to anyone else. And I've already put in all this work here. So might as well stick with it because it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I just found myself questioning, like, what is the, what is her motivation towards Edward? Is it just because it's easy? And maybe that's all she needs, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it seems like the, the the most obvious couple to me that you would think you would think would would end up together would be Colonel Brandon and Eleanor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they get along so well, and and everything else, and yet it's like there's no accounting for taste. There's no accounting for taste. Who knows who gets <laughs> together? Why? I don't know. Maybe if Colonel Brandon hadn't fallen in love with Marianne right off the bat, then maybe Eleanor would have been like, yeah, we can be together because she. Is constantly like he's the only person I like talking to out of all yeah. those people. <laughs> well, I feel like he's equally as frustrating because Marianne has up to this point very clearly shown that she wants nothing to do with him at all. And that only kind of <laughs> makes him love her even more, <laughs> which is yeah. like yeah. seems like a very Mary Eleanor-ish trait. So maybe they're just too similar and she could <laughs> spot all the <laughs> not so great things. Maybe. Yeah, I have a theory that if, you know, if Marianne and Willoughby had actually worked out, then maybe Eleanor and Colonel Brandon would have gotten together because just so that he could be closer to the family. <laughs> <laughs> 
you want to do the deep dive with Marianne? Oh, yeah. Should we go ahead and do some deep dive? Yeah. Yeah. Because we were going to do Marianne for our deep dive for today. So we thought you might want to do it with us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm opening up my notes. It just says Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I've already come up with some ideas of what I think she is astrologically. <laughs> what are you thinking? Well, I think that she, I, well, I think she has a Pisces moon as someone with a Pisces moon who knows what it's like to not be able to control the emotions once they start sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like, yeah, because Pisces is definitely like the most emotionally open of the signs and the mm -hmm. moon sign is your emotions basically. And, but I think that she's probably more like a Sagittarius sun, like a a fire sign for sure she may be a leo but i just feel like well i mean i think she would like to think she's a leo because you know she <laughs> thinks that passions are fixed once they're uh you know in place mm -hmm. but because of the fixed nature of leo but sagittarius is mutable so i feel like in actuality she actually can change her feelings <laughs> towards people you know <laughs> Yeah, I think at the beginning of the book, I would have probably pegged her as a Leo just because she's kind of giving her thoughts on like uh, sensibilities and art and how you should feel about these things and how you should be passionate. And she's like, these are the only ways that make sense to me. And that's how everyone should feel. And so she's kind of like has this quality where she likes to like set the standard in a way. Yeah. Well, and Leos are ruled by the heart, so definitely it could be a Leo. But I was thinking a Sagittarius. Oh, because Sagittarius are very, like, they have very strong beliefs. And, she, you know, like, the way she's like, oh, well, you know, a person of 27 could never be loved. <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't be a real marriage. It feels like, oh, I've got these beliefs that I feel very strongly about. But, like, you know, they could change. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hopefully. It's so it's so crazy that we're kind of like settling on Sagittarius. And I think you said Pisces moon, because I think that's exactly what I have. But I feel so unlike Marianne in so many ways. <laughs> but you are what, like a Taurus rising? So that I, think I would so. think would ground you pretty good. But I feel like Marianne maybe, maybe is like so. a Pisces rising or something. <laughs> <laughs> Double the emotions. Yeah. <laughs> or a Scorpio <laughs> rising. <laughs> we just said someone was a scorpio rising who did we do last lucy? um we did i think we do the steals last year yeah i think we did lucy maybe oh okay so <laughs> so okay astrology a lot of pisces maybe some sagittarius we got some fire <laughs> some water for sure <laughs> oh yeah if, as far as D and D, is she chaotic good <laughs> or is she <laughs> neutral good <laughs> I would say, I would say uh, based on the parts that we're reading, I would say very chaotic good because she's kind of setting herself up to like be, because she, she's so emotionally open, like everything that comes as a result, like it's so easily breakable, just like it can so easily unlevel her as we yeah. saw with Willoughby because she is just so open and she's just giving everything all at once. Mm. So I would kind of peg her as so far as like a more of a chaotic kind yeah. of person, <laughs> but she always has good intention. What do you think, Kristen? I have no idea. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> okay. I don't know uh, enough about it to sound like I know what well, I'm talking about. Well, we don't about. really know about it either. We just, <laughs> so we just kind of guess. <laughs> 
And then I guess you really don't know about or how have you been at all watching any David Lynch with us? No. no sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Someday. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did want to say, because I've had a couple people write in and be like, I love Jane Austen. I haven't ever tried any David Lynch. Where 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 would I start? I I'm always like, try Twin Peaks. Sorry about the barking in the background. Try Twin Peaks first because it's a good entry and it's a really good show. Oh, yeah. Definitely Wild at Heart. I know we say it all the time for the passionate Jane Austen gals. <laughs> yeah, definitely a Wild at Heart. It's the most Romeo and Juliet of all of David Lynch's stuff. Yes. <laughs> and it seems like the most akin to like the chaoticness of her and Willoughby situation where it's just constant chaos <laughs> the entire relationship. I think Marianne would be really into David Lynch. I think she would really like Blue Velvet. I think she would like Twin Peaks. I just feel like it's got that like depth of, you know, um, Mm -hmm. emotion or like passion or whatever, just strangeness that would, you know, be attractive to her. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think she would be very invested and she would have very solid opinions on how you should feel about every piece of his work. (laughs) Yeah, probably, probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so okay. Well, that was a pretty easy disorder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's so strongly herself, so it's easy to sore her. Yeah. yeah. It's so weird because I really, when I was younger, like in high school, and I first watched Sense and Sensibility, I really connected with Marianne. And I really realized, like in my 20s and 30s, like, oh, yeah, Marianne, uh-uh. you're too much. <laughs> but, you know, <sighs> I feel like the older I get, the more I'm like, I'm becoming Colonel Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you're 16. You're allowed to be crazy and passionate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's, I think it's kind of like that scene where uh, she and Margaret go out for the walk and Eleanor and her mom are like, no, it's going to rain. We're staying inside. And I feel like that kind of encapsulates Marianne's approach, which is it's so romantic it's mm-hmm. so beautiful. And then she gets rained on, right? And twists <laughs> her ankle. So you always have the possibility of twisting your ankle and getting thoroughly drenched. But you also always have the possibility of some romantic adventure happening, which, yeah. so it's kind of like you, you, you take your chance and <laughs> you, you never know what's going to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. She's a glass half full girl. Yeah. 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 Well, until she's not. (laughs) Until you know. She's like that's that's too too much risk. Right. (laughs) Oh well, I wish we could talk about this more, but we'll we'll definitely have you back once we're done with the book because yeah, we need to do like a whole hour on this whole book (laughs) once I've sorted out the rest of my feelings on it. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely shaping up to be my favorite book so far. I really love it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen Encanto? Yeah. Have you seen Encanto? I I really enjoyed that. But there's a a YouTube where therapist talks about where all the different people in the family fit into Mm -hmm. different family like dynamics. So there's the strong one and the scapegoat and the perfect one. And so I've been thinking about that while reading this. Oh, who is this? Oh, that's good Or is she doing that? Yeah. That's been fun. That's fun extra level. I'll have to watch that. Maybe we can have a new sorting method. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a great idea. I didn't even think about it like that. It's going to change everything. I feel like Josh and Christian were just telling me about Encanto and how I should watch it. So it's good. It's really cute. trying to tell me, watch Encanto. (laughs) 
Well, would you like to stay with us for some recommendations? Sure. <laughs> Even though I don't have any, but um, (laughs) (laughs) do you want me to go first? (laughs) I did think of my own Shady Jane Austen recommendation, but (laughs) is it about Lucy Steele? (laughs) Well, I guess I'll just go because (laughs) I have a a problem in which I am very susceptible to Instagram ads. Mm. (laughs) ads. (laughs) And so. I've bought many things off of Instagram, but, you know, probably 20% of the time, they're like some fake-ish type company that like doesn't send you the stuff ever or waits like five (laughs) months to send you stuff. And recently I've had two different experiences in which I've like ordered something and it hasn't come for a month. (laughs) And then I write them and they never write me back. And both times I've written them a second time and said, are you a fake company? Is this an Instagram scam? And both times they've been like, oh my gosh, please let us refund your money. Let's help you. So (laughs) my recommendation is, you know, be rude to companies when they're rude to you. (laughs) Be a Marianne, not an Eleanor. (laughs) Or an Eleanor. I could see Eleanor doing that as well. Just threaten them and say, are you even a real company? And they will listen to you much more. <laughs> anyway, that's my random shady recommendation. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. My recommendation is going to be uh, video game related. I, I think I had recommended the newer Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is like open world RPG that takes place in like the 10th century when the Vikings kind of leave... Norway and Scandinavia and come to England to start colonizing. And Uh they had released two like extra downloadable story editions. And so I played both. One of them is about the Viking siege of Paris and like the little, like um, small little mutiny siege to Paris. Yeah. I think they, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure, you know, there's probably some liberties taken with the story part of it, but the siege (laughs) definitely did happen. And it's just like, it's interesting to learn about all like little mutinies happening in France at the time. And um, the second one was a Ireland edition story that talks about like the unification of Ireland under one king and the difficulty with like the prejudice against Druid culture and like the history behind that. And so it was really interesting to kind of learn all the stuff I didn't know about. That's cool. So yeah, I'd recommend that. It was a lot of fun. I love when you can randomly tangentially learn about random things from like video games and random books and stuff (laughs) even if it's not completely accurate it's just yeah fun to like wet your whistle (laughs) yeah yeah and with these with these games they've always been like definitely like the overall story is like factual it's just obviously like there's little liberties so you can have fun (laughs) right (laughs) what about you Kristen? do you have something to recommend Sure. I will recommend a book. It's called The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle. You heard of it? I love that book. Ah, you've read it. I don't know if I have it in my list, but it's definitely, it's either on my wish list or in my to read someday already owned (laughs) pile. Yeah, that's what it was sitting on my my, uh, to be read shelf for a while. And I finally read it over Christmas break. The author is Stuart Turton. And it is, it's, the kind of book that's in some ways right up my alley. It's a mystery. It's like a 
old-fashioned type mystery, but also a time loop sci-fi book at the same time. (laughs) And it's kind of Quantum Leap meets Agatha Christie with some extra blood and guts in there. Um, (laughs) And... (laughs) Uh, it was great. It's the it's uh, it was the most compelling book I'd read for a while. I read a couple of really good ones last year, but that one was super fun. I recommended it to my family, but I haven't heard yet what they thought about it. So uh, we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see. But yeah, highly, highly suggest. It's oh. just really fun, compelling, clever, and can't keep up with all the different moving pieces, which is always fun. Yeah. It means it's interesting. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of fun. I have a couple of audible credits right now that maybe I'll get that. That made me think of two things. First, have you seen Mrs. Friney's murder mysteries? Which one? Or Mrs. Fisher's murder mysteries? Yes, I've, I've seen Mrs. <laughs> Fisher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Second, you definitely should watch Twin Peaks because it's murder <laughs> mystery is like the main, <laughs> the whole first That's season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good I book. I, I understand. It's fine. I don't want to pressure anyone to watch things I don't watch. <laughs> I got sucked into Legends of Tomorrow, so that's like what I'm watching right now. <laughs> Legends of I'm just on the Olympics right now, which every week we're still we're recording these like fairly shortened time periods. So every week it's like the Olympics, but the Olympics will be long <laughs> over by the time we get to this. <laughs> oh yeah, but. Okay. Well, I guess that's all for today. We are so happy to have you, Chris, and thank you for coming. Yes, thank you. Doing yeah, this I wish extra... I could be here for every one of them, but yeah. I know. It's fun I to get to talk be. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we'll definitely do another one at the end. And... <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to get in contact yes. with us, <laughs> you can email us at mandersmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at Manners Madness or on Instagram at Manners of Madness Pod, or you can leave a one minute voicemail on our website at mannersofmadness.com. And we hope that you will, unless you just want to yell at me for what I have to say about <laughs> Eleanor, then I wish you wouldn't because I don't want to be yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> All the Lucy Steel Hive is going to come for you. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know I love Eleanor. Of course. I just. I'm noticing her flaws more this week. <laughs> <laughs> we just want better for her. That's fair. That is fair. <laughs> but yes, we really would love to hear from you guys. And oh, yeah, we will be back next week. With... Next week, we're going to do Twin Peaks episode 15, season two. And then the next week, we're doing chapters 30 through 34. Those must be long chapters because there's only four I... of them. Five of them? Four, five. <sighs> <laughs> Five. (laughs) Oh, the brain is like too much talking. (laughs) It's a Tuesday. But again, thank you so much, Kristen, and we will see you guys next week. Good night. Thank you for listening. Bye.